It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. It's the Final Furlong Podcast. Thank you very much for downloading the show. I'm Emmett Kennedy alongside, as always, at the Races Pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! Welcome back from the UK, my friend. And live and direct from the UK, I am glad to say back to not quite full health, but almost... It's our good friend, Nick Luck. Yeah, I'm as good as there, Emmett. Thank you very much. Good to speak to you. And it's great to have you back on the show and glad that you are back in action. You're back on NBC in a week, two weeks' time, back for the Haskell? Uh, sort of 10 days, yeah, but, uh, going over for the Haskell. Uh, the time is just moving faster than I can uh, really track it. So, uh, yes, I've got a lot to do this week, but, um, yeah, I've been enjoying getting back into luck on Sunday and, yeah, back on NBC at the end of next week. Yeah, I thought Jamie Osborne had some cracking comments to make the other day. <laughs> uh, he's always good value, isn't he? He is Always good value. I don't suppose he's going to get a horse for Darren Yates anytime. In the Can't <laughs> imagine he will, to be honest. I well, did I did you, like you the never, way... You, you never know what the tarot cards will say. Yeah, I did well, quite exactly. like... I like the way you turned to the camera, Nick, and went, I'm seeing something. <laughs> Jamie Osborne. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, he's he's great. I mean, if you if you're struggling a little bit on a Sunday morning, you know that he's one of those people that's gonna that's gonna deliver deliver good copy, good content. It's some gold content in fairness. He's just different class, Jamie Osborne, and uh, he got stuck in. And I fully agree with what he had to say. By the way, for what it's worth, right? We will talk about the Queen of the Flat. Enable is just an absolute monster of a racehorse. And given what's happened to poor Sea of Class, we really need to appreciate her while she's around. Her seasonal reappearance and she, I'm not going to say bolts up, but she may as well have. This was stylish. It was impressive. She's a five-year-old who is still winning Group 1 races. Uh, as Kevin said in his article for At The Races today, which I highly recommend that you read, and I have indeed read, contrary to many opinions, I have read it. And uh, he makes the excellent point that she has raced on 12 different tracks in her 12-race career. Uh, 11 of those have resulted in victories. She's just different class, Nick. She is. Of course, she won two arcs at two different tracks as well, Chantina Longchamp, mm. and they're quite dif- different tactically. And I think that's the key word. She's got all the tools. She's got all the tactical tools, irrespective of where she runs, how races might pan out, whether they be well run, steadily run, just run at an even pace. And that was the case again on Saturday, even after a layoff. She was the one that had the tactical speed to get the sit in behind Hunting Horn and essentially use Hunting Horn more effectively than could Magical, because Magical couldn't quite muster the same zip in the early part of the race than could enable. And that also enabled, pun intended, Frankie Dottori to go the shortest way around when they turned for home. So he was saving ground and he also had the rail. And it was her ability at all stages of the race that enabled him to to get that advantage. So it's very difficult to see in a King George, for example, if she turns up in the same sort of form or if she moves forward from that, because John Gosden said it was 85% veering towards 90%, the great unquantifiable. If she moves forward from the eclipse of the King George, then it's very difficult to see how a horse is going to beat her, uh, granted that she she brings her game. 
And she backed up very quickly, almost surprisingly, as a three-year-old, having won the Irish Oaks. She was thrown into the King George very late uh-huh. and, and won. So there isn't really a problem with her backing up in races at the very highest level. The only question that you would have in the back of your mind, Nick, is the bounce factor. But when it comes to John Gosden, the man's such a genius. I don't, I'm not going to question anything he does, with the exception, perhaps, of the early stages of this season of Too Darn Hot, which we'll delve into in a few minutes' time. But is that a concern for you as she heads to Ascot? Not really. Given what she did last season in adverse circumstances, coming off the back of a, a sickness and a rush preparation to scramble home in the arc and then back up in the Breeders' Cup, suggests that if she if she wasn't susceptible to wild form cycles then she's not going to be wild uh, susceptible to wild form cycles now when things have been a bit more smooth for her i mean anything can happen but the only danger to enable i think is enable yeah i'd agree with that i think the fact that you can win an arc on the back of a all-weather prep as well with the greatest of respect to the all-weather says an awful lot uh, kev you make a point in your article for at the races.com today that we need to appreciate these horses while we have them because particularly with three-year-old colts they're shipped off to the breeding shed so quickly um you might get them as a four-year-old but more often than not a, a valuable three-year-old is packed away for stallion duties and so the onus becomes very heavily on the shoulders of these mares and enable is a horse who is carrying that pressure of being a superstar all the way and demonstrated it again in front of your own two eyes on saturday yeah just the way flat racing is set up you know and it's been the case for you know a couple of decades now it just seems to be when we get a world-class mare with you know generally high profile connections that that aren't um that aren't as uh, what do we call it, restrained by commercial considerations that they tend to race on. And there's such a good program there that, that they, they tend to be the ones that really are lasting at the highest level. You know, you think of Zenyatta, Winks, uh, Goldakova, Ouija Board, uh, horses like that. And Enable um, just has all the ingredients, everything you could want uh, if, you were, if you were putting together a recipe for a, a world superstar she has everything. She's all the tools on the race course. As Nick was saying, you know, she's she's bombproof. Like, how do you beat her? You know, if you're if you're Aidan O'Brien, we'll say going into the King George, and even if he runs five against her, you know, where would you start in concocting a plan to get her beat? I don't know. I I, I wouldn't envy him the task because she's just so tactically versatile. She has early pace, gate speed. Um, she stays well. She she's got pace. You know, like like Nick was saying, in steadily run races, she she's broken the clock with her with her closing sectionals. She has absolutely everything, and I don't think she's too easy to upset in the race. You'll remember, um, was in her first or second arc, her first arc, I think it was. Um, she was drawn down the inside at Chanty, which is a very tricky draw. Um, with, with the configuration of the track and Frankie kept her out wide and, and Donica was riding um, Order of St. George and um, he, he very deliberately crossed the navel um, in the relative early stages uh, you know I'd imagine with the intention of trying to fire her up um, and that didn't you know didn't have any great impact on her performance you know she's just she has everything and she has the tools but to be a lasting superstar, you need more than the tools. You need the constitution and the attitude. And she seems to have that as well. You know, she has a wonderful trainer in John Gosden who hasn't pushed her this season. I suspect she's not a difficult filly to get to get race fit. But, 
he was just waiting patiently waiting for her to, to tell him that she was coming to herself and it took a little while this season but he, he waited until she gave him the right signs and now we're off and running we've a, we've a very uh, clear program for her i think it's fair to say um all things being well king george judmont ark and maybe maybe not the breeders cup again and um oh, i think we, we all have to get behind here don't we uh, it was so much fun it was so refreshing and and I know Nick was there as well to see the post race scenes. You know, my God, it was, uh, and you know, I know some people scoff at, at the thought of it, but it was more national hunt than flat. You know, the way Sandown is configured, you can if you're if you're standing in the parade ring, you can really see it. The people just flooded out the back of the stands, um, up the walkway down to the winners enclosure, um, to give Frankie a roar, to give her a cheer, just to see her. Um, and we don't often see that, so. I think, um, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but racing just really needs to grab hold of this opportunity and uh, and ride it for all it's worth because these type of horses uh, don't come along very often. And we just all have to cross our fingers that she stays right um, and keeps doing her thing. And uh, something else that I opined in, in the article, I wonder, would she come back as a six-year-old if she was okay? Mm. Uh I don't think it'd be a million to one. It'd be, um, you know, the, thing, the the example I pulled out last year when speculating where does she be back as a five-year-old was midday. Um, you know, and she obviously came back as a five-year-old, didn't come back as a six-year-old. But, you know, Prince Khaled's, you know, 81 or two. You know, he's he's been nurturing this family. He bought um, the, this, this filly's uh, great-grandmother, I think it was, in 1982. You know, and this filly is exactly what he's been trying to produce for you know 40 years odd and uh, when you have one and you're in the final furlong of your life one would imagine you know you'd, you'd suspect you'd get more enjoyment out of seeing her on the racetrack than uh than you know the more long-term prospect of her as a broodmare so you know that that would be something that would get me excited but again i'm trying to rein myself in for getting too long term because as we saw with sea of class these things can end very quickly but I think we really, really need to enjoy her and embrace her and celebrate her um, while she's while she's all good and firing in all cylinders. I'm going to come back to the six-year-old point just towards the end of the Enable conversation, Kev. But one of the points that you made in amongst there and, and some very important ones was the delayed comeback. The Coronation Cup had been muted for her. Then it was going to be the Prince of Wales. And then it got shoved back to the, to the Eclipse. And there was a very negative attitude. And Nick, you would have been very much familiar with this as well, that there were concerns among racing fans as to just how healthy she is and was everything okay. The fact that John Gosden then comes out and does an interview and says to you on, on telly uh, that she was 85% right, 90% right, and she can still go and beat a proper Group 1 mare, Philly, in Magical, really demonstrates just what a star this horse is. And as Kevin said, his patience to wait for the right opportunity uh, and confidence to, to wait to strike as well. He's, he's a genius, but he's got a, a superb athlete on his hands as well. For sure. Uh, there was a slight difference of opinion as to how ready she was, I think, between trainer and jockey. John Gosden saying she was 85, 90% fit, but you can't take a horse to a race like that undercooked. What What is possibly the case is that a race will put an edge on them for their next one, I guess. But in terms of whether that actually increases their their, their aerobic fitness is a, it's completely un, unquantifiable, really. 
Um, Frankie Dottori said all the all the lights were green, which made made me think she, he felt she was pretty ready uh, and up for it. So um, I think I think a lot of that is is no. I'm not suggesting you take what John Gosling says with a pinch of salt, but I think you just have to assume that these horses are uh, are ready and fit when they turn up to Group One engagements. Come on, Nick, it's absolute rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> I hate I hate this sort of talk. Oh, only eighty five percent. If there's fifteen percent of improvement in her, she'd win her next race by a distance. You know, it's, it's rubbish talk. The takeaway. They, they might not be one hundred percent, but they're certainly ninety nine point something percent. The takeaway. Well, you are, Kevin. For... You 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 nutshelled what I was sort of blushingly groping for. <laughs> the, the takeaway on Twitter, really, and and this is what you should be tweeting is Nick Luck says John Gosden talks bollocks on Final Four on podcast <laughs> that, that's essentially just breaking right through there if you want it to it's not a it's not a it's not a John Gosden thing it's a it's a cultural mm, uh, motif yeah. isn't it it's a it's a trainer's trope they all say, say it Aidan O'Brien says it Sir Michael says it they all do it yeah. they all lean on this so Kev as a man who stands on the gallops of Owning Hill and watches Joseph O'Brien get horses ready as he planned various different races uh, when uh, when a horse is being conditioned, if you were to compare it to you, a human running for for a marathon, you don't run the full distance before you actually turn up on the day. Getting a horse like her ready for this, how and, and particularly when they delayed Coronation Cup, they delayed Royal Ascot to come here, um, would there have been nerves? And just how far is she along then? If you're going to say that it's a load of nonsense, this percentage, how is that preparation done? No, oh, look, I, I, every trainer is different and they have to train to their facilities, you know, and they train very different to Newmarket to what Joseph would train like on the hill. Um, but, you know, she, in terms of pure fitness terms, you can be sure she was 99 point something percent ready to rumble. Um, and that's that's not to say, you know, she doesn't need to come forward only, I think she might have been, you know, four, four five, six, seven pounds off her very best, you know, and that's that's only a couple of lengths really, you know. Uh, over this type of distance a few lengths guys can we can we try and work out if is there a horse that's likely to beat her this season and if so where's it going to be and which horse is it because i can't think of an obvious one i can't you you wouldn't get too much enthusiasm up about the three-year-olds at the minute no um with the possible exception of japan with potentially more to come but and he needs to be more to come he would need to step up kev hmm like no, it's one it's, thing uh, to go and win a group two at the Royal Meeting impressively when you're coming widest of all, but it's another thing then to go up to Group One company and take the take on the best horse in training. Yeah, it, it's a real pity that Almondai isn't coming over for the Ark. Mm. Um, she would have been very interesting against her, but um, yeah, I don't know if there is one. The racing has a way of throwing up uh, these horses, but at the minute. Uh, she looks to, to be in pole position, doesn't she? So the fact that we've tragically lost Sea of Class in terms of her racing career anyway, and we wish her the best and connections the best, that things will, will work out well and that she can at least have a career at stud, uh, does mean that we have to embrace these horses while we can. So Nick, as you look at the list of entries that, that this horse has, who is in your mind as being the big danger to enable? Uh, I suppose Crystal Ocean I would be the would be the most likely danger given that he's been campaigned with a view to the King George all season that he ran his eyeballs out in it last year he's very effective round Ascot and he's in the form of his life I'd say he'll he'll lay it down to her but he's got to give her weight she's a better horse she's got more tactical agility she's got more speed and I 
can only imagine that she'll just get the better of him. Um, so I, I think he's the likeliest, I suppose, unless some a horse uh, uh, she goes into international competition and takes on Almond Eye. I don't do. Do you? So, so she goes to the Ark, which is the most likely place she'll get beaten because it's the Ark, and it's mm. she's going for a third Ark, and is she going to be over the top and what have you? And she could get a bad draw and whatnot. Is there a three-year-old, for example, that she's going to have to concede weight to that you think is the sort of coming force, a, a Fab or a Dorai Dupre three-year-old? Well, I'm not sure that there is an obvious one that's going to that's going to put it up to her in the arc. So I, I actually think that the, the road is pretty clear for her to remain unbeaten, if that's the mm. There's one as, as, as for racing as a six-year-old, I mean, Ouija board went till five, Snow Ferry went till five, Midday went till five. Uh, mayors who who raced at six and, and won at the top level. I mean, Triptych did it, but that was a long time ago. Dahlia did it. That was even longer ago. Al Wingsy. Al oh, Wingsy, well, Nick. Yeah. How could you <laughs> forget? I, I, I'm betting without... Um, <laughs> I, I'm betting without Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> because it's rubbish. Absolute oh, yeah, rubbish. But um, Zenyatta was six, wasn't she, when she finished Zenyatta. up? I was, oh, I was thinking of, I was thinking of Phillies who'd had a sort of being campaigned in similar sort of races to enable. Yeah, I suppose not many would have been asked to go to Kova going since she was six. She Ooh, was. Well, she yes, went for she four did. Yeah, Breeders she, Cup miles. She, 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 she might be. Three, yeah, four, she five, might be the six, most comparable yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Fourteen group or grade ones, yeah. but not as good as enable. No, no, a superstar, no. a superstar, but not in in enables class. Um, but then again, two very different horses. You're talking about a miler against a, a middle distance mm. horse. So, Kev, when she made her seasonal reappearance last year at Kempton, beating Crystal Ocean, you said wouldn't it be amazing if they kept her in training as a five-year-old? And lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. Now you're you're suggesting it already. And you are putting the caveat on it. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. We have to get past the King George. We have to get past the Ark and the Breeders' Cup. Are we all agreed that they will be the three races she competes in? Uh, King George, Judmont, Ark, and after that, I suppose it depends, it depends how she is after the Ark. You think she will go for the Judmont? Oh, geez, you, with you know, with her connections and everything else, you'd imagine they'd love to. Um, she did that campaign as a three-year-old, and um, without you know having had a having been going much earlier in the season, you know, she went to she did King George, Yorkshire Oaks, um, Ark, and um, and produced her peak performance in the Ark. So, um, I can't if everything's well, I can't imagine why they wouldn't do it again. Mm. And she had seven starts as a three-year-old as well, so it's not like she can't. Take uh, and that was it. Doesn't get talked enough about. That was one of the most epic three-year-old filly campaigns Stunning. of recent times. That was unbelievable. Stunning. It, you know, to go really for it was it was a it was a sea of stars esque to go yeah. from April all the way through to an arc. Um, I know she was beaten once, but she wouldn't mind that. It was it was some effort. Yeah, and shutter speed. Where are you now, shutter speed? Uh, <laughs> that that form turned on its head fairly quickly. It'd be fairly sick if you if you plowed into it that day, would you? Oh my god! <laughs> How did that happen? Oh my god! Uh, so and and look, she beat Coronet by five lengths in the Yorkshire Oaks. You know, and considering that Coronet is still on the go and winning Group Ones, like it it's it does say an awful lot about her. Um, do you genuinely think, Kev, that? age being the factor for Khaled Abdullah that he will try if things are okay with her keep her going and come back possibly for another another go around next year I don't see why not put her back in training let be guided by John Gosden and if she seems to be showing and and you know John Gosden you know specifically talks about you know just how enthusiastic she is about what she does every day 
And if she's giving him the right signs, kick on. Why not? Why not? Have a have a crack. You know, the the um, Cattle Abdullah made what was the most sporting decision, uh, probably one of the most sporting decisions in the history of racing to bring Frankel back as a four-year-old. There's very, very few owners that would have done that. Um, so he's capable of making such a decision. And I think it would be a lot easier to bring Enable back as a six-year-old than it was to bring Frankel back as a four-year-old, given um, her constitution, uh, just how bomb-proof she is, and the fact that she's a mayor. Uh, I, I think it would be an easy decision, really. Uh, you know, speaking plainly, I thought it was. I thought I was hoping and thinking it might be an easy decision to bring her back as a five-year-old. So hopefully, um, he'll be thinking along the same lines again. Again, I'm wary of getting too far ahead of myself in this game, but um, I think if if we hopefully get there in um, in six months' time, that 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 might be the way to lean. See, most people would say, and again, we have to have the caveat of if she does it, if she wins three arcs, most of us would go, Nick. Uh, fantastic retire her a happy retirement no Kevin but more we want more to race hard she loves she loves the game and if she comes back and gets beaten so hot she's still a legend you can't take away anything she's been beaten before if she came back and, and wasn't quite herself um, wouldn't bother me personally uh, wouldn't affect her legacy one bit um, but if she were to come back and, and continue winning group ones at six um, at that stage one would imagine she would have absolute worldwide superstar status um, it would be incredible. It really would. Well, here's an interesting point, I think. Judmont are quite alive to the need for horse racing to try and put itself in the limelight. They're, they're quite a, a forward-thinking brand, which for a, an old-school owner-breeder operation is quite, is quite unusual in a sense. And I think they will be aware of the fact that if, if say, Enable won the King George, won at York, won a third arc, suddenly there will be a degree of public consciousness around it, which there hasn't been hitherto. And I think there may well be an awareness on their part that they want more people to enjoy the ride. And that may well, um, that may well encourage them. People will think, oh, he's talking complete rubbish. This is a commercial breeding empire. I promise you that will be a factor. It will definitely be a factor. They will be thinking, hmm, is, is this a significant driver to get more people into the game if we keep her in training another year, and I, I think that I think that might enter calculations. Yeah, and I think we, as as racing commentators and indeed the racing public, you know, we we should be talking about this. We should be encouraging it. You know, I think sometimes in in this game, as as observers and commentators, we're too resigned to some of these decisions before they happen. You know, we're very mm-hmm. accepting in nowadays of two year olds being retired to stud and you know, champion three-year-olds being retired, you know, we should be putting, and, and breeders have a role here, we should be putting the squeeze on these on, on owners and breeding operations that, hey, we want these horses to stick around and prove themselves before we really buy into them. And it's just the fact that that um, breeders... Well, I don't. Uh, they, I don't think she's got anything. She's no, never going to have anything to prove, is she? But yeah, but I hear what you're saying. But you know what I mean. But it, it's more of a wider point, especially with regard to colts, because you know the breeding industry has become quite accepting of you know two-year-olds being retired, and the only thing that makes that viable for stud owners is the fact that the breeders will send them mares. But I think if if breeders as a group were a little bit, um, a, a little bit less inclined to jump on board such stallions, um, it wouldn't be commer- as commercially attractive for uh, owners and uh, stallion masters to look to get those deals done and retire them as, you know, sound two-year-olds. Um, so I, I think that there's a little bit of a role for everyone to play in this and maybe changing attitudes and putting an emphasis and a value 
on racing on and showing durability and uh, and soundness and the, the retention of enthusiasm over a long period of time. Because you know, I think that's a very valuable thing that we should be encouraging in the breed going forward. And this used to be a big talking point, Kev. It was, you know, it would be talked about in the Bloodstock pages. It would be talked about in the racing media. Is it almost that we've all become desensitized, browbeaten, just conditioned and resigned to the fact that, oh, well, if the horse is really good at three, then inevitably the paycheck will be there and they're going to retire the horse to stud. And we've just almost become defeatist to that idea. And, and we just need to change our minds about that and change our attitudes to it. I, I think so. You know, there's an argument there, you know, should a horse be, be given superstar status, we'll say, for example, a champion three-year-old that proves the best of his generation and then goes and beat the older horses in receipt of weight for age. You know, do we give do we give horses too much credit for that? You know, should we not demand that they return at four and do it off level weights and give weight away to the best of three of the, the, the following year's three-year-olds? Mm. You know, I think that's that's a champion to me. You know, and I think we're just maybe a little bit too accepting. We've like you say, we've been desensitized to uh to it because it happens so much, but um, the only thing that will change that is if if we as observers and breeders as a group don't give as much credit for such things. But anyway, that's kind of a little bit, we've gone a little bit off topic there, but there you go. No, but I think it's an important point. Imagine if See the Stars had stayed in training at four. Oh, yeah. You know, the, don't, start the, been... don't start that he's better than Frankel nonsense again i saw that on twitter earlier on you've got to that's just that's got to that's got to stop i got i i I got the fishing rod out i have such huge regard for sea to stars but i would not make that argument i got the fishing rod out and just just, all i had to do was cast it out and it was that easy immediately people were hooked immediately um i don't wait i don't like to compare them i i just think they're they're two incredible horses who came around very very quickly and we got to enjoy them and that's what we need to to embrace and it doesn't matter you'll, you'll never see a better horse than frank i don't think story. so i don't think so in, ter- in terms of pure talent um no chance yeah and particularly, he may have been unambitiously campaigned but he was very very good well particularly given what the late great sir henry cecil did with him like to keep what was essentially an insane horse on track was just and and get that potential out of him was incredible. Um, we and should, can we can we all say he will not be that he will not be it cannot be surely cannot be an Abel's first mate either. I've seen that mooted at oh, various courses. Come so on. That's, like, that's going to come out with seven hooves if Easy, they include like, those two together. She's inbred enough as it is. I mean, she's a good good advert for inbreeding. But if they yes. breed it to Frankel, they're in danger of what, all sorts. Of what would the cult be called? Cletus? Hey, yo, Cletus! <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> ling, 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 oh, ling, deliverance! Ling. Definitely deliverance. Uh, we is need it, to. I think King, Kingman will be the man. I'd say. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kingman, Kingman gets the uh, the call up there. No, let, let's not talk over this. We want her racing until she's nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wink style. Keep her going, Khaled Abdullah. Uh, one of the most sporting men in the game. We demand that you keep your star mare in training. Uh, Magical has run a, a solid enough race, Kev. I was a little bit confused by how she ran. Maybe it's just the fact that Enable is cruising along at the hottest part of the race and was so impressive on the day. Uh, maybe I'm being harsh on Magical, but... She's only gone down by three quarters of a length in the end, but Enable could have won by any distance she wanted, in my mind. Oh, I don't know about that now, but I would say about Magical that she she did seem a little bit flat on the day. Um, I didn't, before halfway, personally, I didn't think Ryan looked especially happy. 
And, um, you know, it's to her credit that she galloped on as well as she did. And she's just, she's just a very good mare, um, rock solid. Would You know, maybe she's ready to go back up to 12 furlongs now, but she's she's like a metronome this season. She's just doing, she's probably running to a very similar level every time. And, um, yeah, I think maybe back up to 12 furlongs, which showed her to very good effect, to best effect last season, mm. um, might just be the way to go. And it'll be interesting to see if they back off her a little bit now with a view to uh, winding her back up for the arc. Maybe maybe Irish champion arc, something like that. But um, she's had five runs thus far this season, a uh, busy enough campaign. So she's clearly taking it well, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what their next move with her is. Yeah, Aidan O'Brien has stated that she's going to have a rest to be brought back for an oh, autumn okay. campaign. I see that. Good, good. So, Nick, it looks as though the arc will be her target and presumably... Possibly she could take in Champions Day, but I would imagine another tilt at the Breeders' Cup turf will be a big game for her, unless one of the three-year-olds oh, emerges. If, if Magical's having a break now, you can bet your bottom dollar she'll run in the Arc, the Breeders' Cup, and the and the Champions Day. Yeah, she'll go. She'll do all three. Found, found, did it twice. So I suspect that'll be the way they'll go. And do you envisage the possibility that Magical in the autumn could turn the form around with Enable, or is it just no, a case no. of? No, I yeah, don't think so. it, uh, I just don't be, think she's as good. Yeah, I'd agree, but she'd be she'd be a worthy opponent back over no, absolutely. back over twelve. Mm. Yeah, we're gonna need her. We're gonna need her to line up because we need quality against her and we don't know how these three year old Colts are gonna do, so we'll we'll have to see. Uh Regal Reality, you were saying, Kev, that they were taking every precaution possible on Saturday, and to be fair, he's run a cracker for Kieran McAvoy. Yeah, he's run very well. Look, he's clearly a bit of a hooligan. Um, they 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 were working on him early on, and he wasn't brilliant. Now I know he looked he looked like he was behaving himself in that video I put up. But um, what I didn't, what I wasn't sharp enough to capture was he he did jam on uh, going up the walkway. They did it twice. They did two big laps around the parade ring and up and around up the, out the walkway and around. And he was he was acting the Mickey a little bit. Um, and he did clearly act up again once Karen got on him. He was actually very good until Karen got on him. They were late to mount him. Um, but as soon as Karen got on, he started um, acting up again. So he clearly takes a bit of managing. But um, look, he's, he's come forward for the step up to 10 furlongs. This was probably um, a career best. And look, he's entitled to to, to bang away in these races. But they just he'll just take a bit of management and... Um, It'll just be fascinating to see how he copes with different tracks. You know, if he goes to, if he ends up going to York, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with York and the, the test that uh, that presents to horses in the prelims. Um, but yeah, just is this look? There was nothing wrong with this run, um, and that this is probably his level. Yeah, I'd just be wary of him. I'd be a little bit wary of of even though that was a good run that he can just boil over. Um, Mustachery ended up being fairly well held. Telecaster, Nick, look, ooh, oh dear. Well, it, it's hard to judge Telecaster at the moment, and it's hard on him for us to judge him on the basis of that run because it was so unlikely that he would he would do an environment friend, win the Dante Blower and the Derby, and come back in the Eclipse against that against that sort of competition. Uh, he, I think it, it's just a case of trying to find some calmer waters for him now and build him back up again. It's not impossible. Horses have done it. You know, very good horses have have had a blip at that point in their career. And, and being built back up to multiple group one winners twice over is a horse that springs to mind brilliantly handled by Henry Cecil to do something similar so I wouldn't be at all surprised if he ends up still being a being a pretty good horse telecaster but the experiences he's had the last twice have been pretty humbling for him I, I do wonder could this be his level or close enough to it 
Mm. Um, that Dante isn't quite a team at the time. Mm. Well, and he had a hell of a hard race at the Dante. And I know we, subsequent events have proven that too darn hot. It wasn't too darn hot in the Dante, but they did pull a long, long way clear of some fairly useful horses. Surfman? I, I, well, we don't know how good Surfman is. I suspect he's a bit better than he showed in the French Derby, mm. but we need some evidence. These are all horses, probably. I mean, Telecaster and Surfman, they had hardly any experience between them at two. Well, Telecaster had no experience at two at all. So they're really very, very inexperienced horses. Their trainers have obviously seen massive amount of talent manifest itself not from nowhere, but very quickly. And they've ended up being pushed through the grades probably quicker than they were mentally able to be. And it, it could easily be that they are both they both end up being very good horses, but they're just not mature enough and ready enough to show it at this stage of their career. So I wouldn't give up. I don't think I don't think you just say, oh, well, I think Telecaster's a group three horse and leave it at that. I think, I think he could yet end up being, he's bred to be a very good horse and he could, he could yet end up being a good one unless he's, unless his brain's been fried by it. You're less convinced, well, you can, Kev. Well, you can be a, an optimistic Oliver on this, Nick. I'm going to be a, a sceptical Simon going forward on these two, I think. <laughs> what happened to sceptical Sammy? Yeah, Simon works better. Sceptical Simon. Poor old sceptical <laughs> Sammy has been relegated. I found a horse who can beat her, lads. I found a horse. Go on. Circus Maximus. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> right. In what race? Uh, the Judmont. In the Judmont International, Circus Maximus turns her over. In all seriousness, I think she'll go the season unbeaten. If if it's the King George, the Judmont, the Ark, and the Breeders' Cup turf, I don't really see what stops her. Um, Nicola. Some crack of some crack, some crack of sovereign makes all to beat her in the King George. Oh my God! <laughs> could you imagine? There'll be a meltdown. Uh, Nick, in your view, if she stays sound, does she stay unbeaten? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think she. I think she could. I, I think saying she will is difficult because yeah, the race set up in the King George and the Ark is going to be brutal. But um, she's she's defied she's defied difficult race setups before. I, I'd i very I, I certainly think it's it's a possibility. Kevin. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. 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 Barring, you know, barring some of the something odd happening. Um, she's just she's just bomb proof. She's bomb proof, and I and I suspect she'll have everything thrown at her in the King George. Um, but with, with with her attributes and with Frankie just riding, I don't think it's a stretch to say better than ever at the minute. Yeah. Um, and he just rides her beautifully. So much confidence in her, and you know Frankie just and especially funny enough if he has a wide draw on her. He's just deadly because Frankie will, will do this thing where he, he'll he'll just wait. He'll sit and wait for the first two furlongs, assess what's going on, identify any potential traps or pitfalls, see see how the race is going, and then pick his slot. You know, we saw it on Saturday. He was waiting outside Magical, and it was one of those who's going to blink first. He was waiting to see if Ryan wanted to push forward or go back. Uh, Ryan was probably waiting to see what Frankie did, and then Frankie made a decisive move to go forward. And uh, it's just it's just magic to watch. He's been he's been brilliant on this mare, and his first arc was an absolutely fabulous ride. I thought, and um, the, the two of them are, are really are a match made in heaven. So it, it's difficult to envisage, you know, something going really wrong for her that would lead to her getting beat. But we know in this great game anything can happen. But it's just it's more difficult than usual to see it happening with that pairing. It's just stunning. And I imagine that, well, if she gets to the Breeders' Cup, there is no way but NBC are going to do a massive package, which I presume Nick will be fronting. (laughs) 
to promote the meeting and use her as being one of the superstars. Uh, it, it's almost hoping against hope that she'd turn up in a Breeders' Cup again, isn't it? But if she did, then there's no doubt that she would be. She was the star last year, really. Yeah. There's no doubt that she'd be the headline act this time. And uh, particularly in a year where we are desperately, I've just written a piece about this for Thoroughbred Racing Commentary, we're desperately, desperately searching for some sort of star in the classic division. And that star has not manifested itself. That was a nice little plug there, by the way, Nick. I like the way you just slipped that little plug in there. Oh, and there's I... plenty more. I, when you were talking about regal reality, I was going to just drop in that his uh, head lad, James Savage, who's done a lot of work on him, had made a guest appearance on Luck on Sunday this week. So yes. you can catch that on uh, on the catch up. You'll edit this out, but uh, I'm going to get it I in won't, anyway. I won't actually, because you're a friend <laughs> of the show and peace in our time. Peace in our time is needed. Uh... The, the other fact, being that I have absolutely no doubt that Sky will do promos that are all about Enable because they're already running the promos yeah. for the King George. Yeah. And yeah. it's a fantastic... I was watching... Uh, for the first time, I was watching the, the transfer... I can't remember the name of it now. They do this transfer show uh, in the mornings from 9 to 10 and it's, it's kind of like an ESPN style, very relaxed everybody's dressed casually and they've got their laptops out and they're all talking about uh, transfer rumours and who they think would be would be the ideal signing for a club. It's terrific and I'd like to see that style rolled out a bit more. But during the commercial breaks, one of them was Sky Sports Racing, King George meeting Ascot. And it's just like that is invaluable to racing and not being funny about it. We had a right go at the Curra and I think for, for good reasons. Jesus, what Irish racing would be benefiting from um, with with that kind of sale but anyway we are where we are and we'll kick on um, a brilliant weekend for John Gosden continued with Too Darn Hot again Frankie Dettori in the Winners Enclosure Kevin Blake after the Irish 2000 Guineas you said you would like to see Too Darn Hot dropped back in trip and finally they've done that uh, trained for a derby now John Gosden saying I should be running him in the July Cup at the weekend, but we are where we are, uh, he said as well. Four to five and wins by three lengths. This was more like it. Oh, it was great to see him. This is him back on track. He's not far off his juvenile form here at all. I know clearly a windy group one, but he compensated for that with style, I think, with style points. Um, and you just have to love, you know, if you knew nothing about him and watch this, you know, you'd say, oh, geez, he's pacey at seven furlongs. He could come back to six. You know, he's 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 very pacey. Um, always looked at, got pacier and pacier as he gained in experience as a two-year-old. And though clearly things went a bit awry earlier this season. Um, and again, purely speculation on my part now, but reading between the lines, I suspect there was a, a great amount of disagreement um, in the two darn hot camp uh, this spring as to how to campaign this horse and I know John Gosden is holding his hands up and saying we've made a mess of this but I think when he says we mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I could the, be totally wrong now the, but I suspect he might have been he might have been getting pushed towards the direction that they ultimately went with him well, there's a key. There's there's a key word that he keeps using, and it's the word managed. He's not saying mm. he's not. Everyone's saying John Gosden is being very self-critical because he keeps saying we've managed this horse really badly. I don't think it's the royal we, and mm. he's not using the word trained. He's using the word managed. That's a good point. Yeah. It suggests it suggests that he's. He, if he is throwing himself under the bus, at least he's taking a few people with him. <laughs> yeah, I think he's being as diplomatic as he can be. Um, but uh, I, that's my reading of it. But look, it's happened. We've learned a lot about the horse because he's been tried at different trips. But now 
he is where he probably needed to be all along. Um, I looked, I'm not going to claim I always thought he was a, a seven furlong horse sprinter. I my view on him after his uh, two year old campaign was that he'd be a pure miler rather than anything further. But clearly, um, you know, he just has loads of pace. I'd love to see him try it at six. The chat suggests that we mightn't get to see that, and um, he might go back to a mile. Um, I'd love to see him in a, in a Mars de Geest. Uh, that that would be fun to watch, but the Sussex might be more likely. Um, but it was just great to see him back on track, and great to see that what was what was a pretty tough first half of the season for him uh, hasn't left any sort of a mark. You know, you have to remember that you know he missed the Greenham, he missed the Guineas, he's running the Dante, he's had to get a flu back, and then travel to the Curra, travel for the first time in his life to the Curra, uh, and then back up for Ascot. You know, it was a heavy schedule. And to be fair to him now, for all that he disappointed us those three days, it's a testament to his constitution that he was able to back up relatively quickly again and travel to Deauville and produce um, not far off a, a career best effort. So um, while you know getting beat three times wouldn't have been in anyone's plans or aspirations for him, uh, as we often do, I think we've learned more about him as as a as a athlete and a character in defeat as we would have um, if things had went a little bit more smoothly for him. But yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, the, the Sussex speed favouring mile, um, he should be fine. But we'll wait and see. And look, looking a bit further ahead, you know, you'd wonder would the Breeders' Cup mile um, be considered a suitable option? You'd think it would suit him, but um, that's a long way away at this stage. But yeah, just, just great to see him back on track because there for a while it, it looked like um, what seemed to be such a good horse last season um, just that had dimmed quite a bit in the meantime, but now it seems apparent that the circumstances were just wrong um, rather than the, the horse being diminished. How much did the weakness of this race factor into this performance? Because he's he's ultimately won quite well, but he's not having to face King of Comedy, Phoenix of Spain, Magna Grecia, um, Circus Maximus, and they weren't, Absolute Circus superstars Max. in beyond. Hey, listen, he's a group. He's a St. James's <laughs> Palace Stakes winner, Kev. You can never take that away from him. Uh, he's not having to take on absolute superstars. So, is there a chance that we're getting a little bit carried away here, uh, Nick? And no. That, and okay. No. He, no. He, he. I thought after. I'm, this, this sounds like after timing, but it's if you look at the balance of the evidence between york the Curra, and asker it was a reasonable assumption to make that unless he went badly wrong physically or mentally he'd land up the season as the highest rated three-year-old partly because the others are all very very ordinary and partly because you could see the talent was still there it's just that he hadn't had the right set right setup to produce it it wasn't the right distance at york and it was a grueling race off a long absence um, the Curra phoenix of spain rode a ridiculous bias and uh, Tudon Hot got no cover, and and at Ascot the I, th- I think the ground had got quite soft for him to be yeah, honest at Ascot, and I, I don't think that really suited him, and the, the stiff track as well. So the fact that he was able to run pretty well but just not finish off finish out his races led you to believe that he would probably end up a higher rated horse than Telecaster Phoenix of Spain or Circus Maximus. Um, and I, so I don't, I, I'm inclined to think that you know, granted the right setup he can produce three or four performances like uh, like sundays and that that will give him an official rating that will exceed any other three-year-old this season i would have thought he did have a huge amount of pressure on his shoulders coming to the season if you consider the fact that enable was had an official rating of 128 after beating crystal ocean at kempton 
on her comeback, and this horse ended the season with a rating of 126. Like, in hindsight, that's ridiculous. That's well, tough. I, I, you know, I'm people, not sure I agree. Yeah, I, people would pick at his rating when he, when he got beat a few times this year, but you have to rate him on what they do. And he was a very, very good two-year-old, and the form is, is largely standing up. You know, look what he beat in the Jewhurst Advertise, Anthony Van Dyke, Sang- Sangarius. Mm. You know, they're they're three very good horses, and and you know, beat Phoenix of Spain before that. Mm. Um, yeah, and he pissed and, up and, and, well, did, and did it in time. style. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't knock. You know, and you know, you, you get a bit of hindsightology with these things. You know, people were throwing stones at as um, Air Force Jet. You know, after he completely flapped as a three-year-old, but you look Air at Force his two-year-old Blue. career in isolation, he was he was a brilliant two-year-old. Air Force Blue. I don't. Care, I don't I, Air Force Blue. Sorry. Um, he, you know, he clearly was a math. Who cares what he's called now? He ended up being rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the point but the point is, you know, you you can't necessarily apply hindsight in assessing their rating. You have yeah, to rate great. what they did uh, at the time. Um, you know. You can you can you can certainly revise their legacy when you have the overall picture of their career. But you know, if if Two Darn Hot had had never run as a three year old, you know, he still has to go down as as a tip top two year old. The, the other thing about this horse is this: I'd say there's a strong likelihood he'll stay in training, don't you? I, I, I oh, you reckon? I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I um, mean, unless the Lloyd Webbers are offered stupid money, I I I can't see any reason why he won't stay in training. Mm. Well, there's there's no reason to think that um, Sheikh Mohammed is going to be making any massive offers, considering he's cancelled his building project. Ahem, ahem. For all those of you who said we wouldn't mention it, uh, there you go. That's as much as will be said. And did you notice the silence in the background? Uh, but I I can't imagine they'd be too keen to sell him anyway. Like uh, as you said, unless there's like a stupid amount of money thrown at them. Um, well, he's he's worth a stupid amount of money as a stallion. Yeah. yeah, he is, and he is worth a stupid amount of money. And and the the recent success of uh, of Night of Thunder will be giving the folks at Dali um, enormous hope that Dubawi can yet prove to be a successful sire of sire. Yeah, yeah, and and why can't this fellow then go on and 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 kick on? So a sexier pedigree than he does. So this yeah. is this is him back so, then. This I, is... I I think he'll go on next year. Okay, so you think he's going to stay in training. Will the ultimate goal be the Breeders' Cup mile? Sounds like Lady Lloyd Webber would like to go to the Breeders' Cup mile. Mm. And she's got unfinished business, hasn't she? Because yes. you'll remember her. You remember a little filly called the Fugue, a little Ooh. unlucky there a couple of times. And uh, Magician so runs down the Fugue! Yeah, so I suspect I suspect she'd like to go. Okay. Yeah, I just I suppose the, the the caveat we'll put on that is just that that he has had such a a hardy time of it in the first half of the season that um, we probably just better rein ourselves in a touch with speculating what he might be doing in November, um, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He's obviously a bit he's obviously a bit hardier than his siblings, isn't he? He's because yeah, he's had more runs already him, yeah. than Somi Dar, and he's had as many runs already as Lati Dar. So. I'd say he's 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 a he's probably a little tougher than than perhaps the, some of the family, and just physically, well, physically more robust. And while yeah, he, he, he he's, a, he's a handier type of horse, isn't he, than than uh, than the rest? And the, that's, I know people. It's a funny thing with size and horses. You know, people always seem, want to knock these horses that are a little bit, um, you know, below average in size. But Jesus, I you know I wouldn't have that at all. You know, big horse, big problem generally. In terms of his size, though, is he a more precocious oh, he's, type? He's, I think he's below average. You know, you, you, 
I was at the Dewhurst and you look at him and you're, you you would be saying to yourself, ooh, I wonder, mm. I wonder will he, some of these might be able to pro- progress past them physically um, as a three-year-old. But, um, you know, while there was a suspicion that might have happened uh, in, in his first three starts, um, I think he, he's gone a long way to confirming at Deauville that he's at least as good um, as he was at two. And, you know, we'll, we'll gain more evidence in his coming starts, I'd imagine. Okay. Well, yeah. Nick, you were going to say? No, no, no. I was going to say, well, Dubawi's pretty small. And he'd be oh, about yeah. the same True. sort of size, I'd say. True. Yeah, Dubawi would, would not set you alight physically at all. Um, not not over big and close coupled as well. Um, and that clearly didn't stop him as a racehorse and clearly hasn't stopped him as a sire. As much as I like the Sussex Stakes and particularly Goodwood, I'd quite like to see him over six and a half um, in the pre-Maurice de Geest. Yeah, that's that's four you know four weeks away. It's a nice gap. Um, hasn't closed yet, as far as I know. Mm. So um, the, I, that's what I'd love to see. But I think the with connections mentioning the the Sussex quite quickly after Sunday. Um, who knows? I, I'd love to see him in the Morris de Geese. I think wow. that'd be fun. Here's the, here's my read of it. I reckon that the owners would like him to go to the Sussex and that the trainer would like him to go to the Jacques Le Marois. And the trainer is ruining the fact that they're 11 days apart, so he can't run him in both. Well, if the trainer... Uh, I, I imagine they will now bow to the trainer's better knowledge and he will go then for the pre Mawa. If that's Time the case. will tell. Time discloses <laughs> all, as the clock at the Curra says. Uh, we'll Used brief, to say. We'll brief... Is it, I, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know where the clock has ended up. Is, that, is it in golden by any chance? Because you love that clock. Uh, I'd have it if, they, if they're giving it away, but I, I don't know where it is. Maybe it's up there. I just haven't seen it. Um, if, you, if you know where the, the Curra clock is gone, let us know. And more importantly, the little plaque underneath it, time discloses all. The Coral Charge went to Curious. Henry Candy, an absolute genius when it comes to sprinters. Uh, Garris having his first start for Charlie Hills, having left the now retired Jeremy Nasida. And Caspian Prince running a brave race, uh, the old 10-year-old. Um, fine performance from Curious, Nick. Good performance. I think she's improved a little bit on a scurry stakes win. Um, she got a bit of an advantage at the stalls because Muthmi is still opened early, which uh, allowed her to sort of to come out with him, really, if you like. And then she could clear and get to the rail, uh, even though they said there's no uh, rail bias on that five furlong track at sound. And if the ground's very quick, it do- does tend to come back a little bit. And I think she was favoured by the way the race was run. But Henry Candy did say after she won the scurry that in, in another season or two, she'd be up there with her illustrious brothers, Alpha Delphini and Tangerine Trees, both of whom have won group one. So oh, right. uh, I suspect if she stays into training, which she will, I think, then she'll end up uh, recording pattern race victories at a higher level if uh, her trainer is trained of so many group one sprinters thinks so. Add her to the at the races tracker on the basis of that alone. Uh, Sergei Prokofiev, Kev, ended up being sent off five to two. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, disappointing horse and didn't help himself missing a kick, but that's kind of a habit of his now. And um, yeah, I, I'm not a big believer, not at this level. Um, yeah, he's he's got a little bit to prove, I think. Um, I, I thought Garris ran a super race here, uh, missed the kick, you know, re, re, difficult to come back from. And, um, and, you know, the finish was dominated by, he was the one that got involved from off the pace, whereas others, the, the, the first and third were bang up there the whole way. So I think he's done quite well. And uh, there'll be more, more to come from him. I mean, I'd say he wouldn't be—you wouldn't be afraid to go back to six with him as well. So they have options. Uh, very brief bloodstock corner on the winner for those that aren't familiar uh, with her sire, uh, Kurashio. Uh, he's got a bit of a story. He, he raced in Australia, and um, back in 2005, he shuttled 
up to the UK. He was standing for three and a half grand at over Overbury Stud, and uh, he got no love. Nobody um, wanted him. No, nobody really wanted him. I think he might have got twenty-two foals um, from that crop, and he he kind of went down so poorly that they didn't send him back again. Uh, but that first crop, uh, first UK crop, uh, threw up some some smashing horses, including this filly. And um, there was a deal done to get him back up. And he, he stood this season uh, in Clan Griffin uh, over over here in Ireland. And uh, I'd imagine, I, I don't know how many mares he covered, but I imagine he was a lot more popular than he was <laughs> on his first stint um, over at Overbury. So uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, and yeah, it could be a little bit more to come from him. We'll have to wait a few years to to see the fruit that that is, that is born from uh, from this season. But yeah, he, he looks like a, quite a useful sir. And the, the Irish managed to nab him uh, this time around. Speaking of the Irish, we had to wait for Dermot World to bring out Falcon 8. Uh, Frankie the Victoria thought was brilliant again and we'll need to talk about Frankie and Sandown and Carl in a few minutes but this was his third winner on the day Nick uh, Kevin has described him as being as slow as a funeral in the past and now we know why he's been delivered on the line but he needs every inch of the two miles he's slow but he's good slow isn't he and, and it doesn't take a great leap of the imagination to see him turning up in some of those races that Dermot Wells won before I'd say he'll have a look at that Kipco race at the end of the year at Ascot uh, although I don't think looking at his action, the horse will want the ground too soft. And I suspect then he hopes that he'll develop physically to be a player in the Gold Cup next year. The interesting thing to me was that, the, that Dermot Weld said in the interview afterwards that he was thinking of running him in the Gold Cup this year, only having had four runs. You know, he was going to toss him in against Stradivarius, Cross Counter and DXB. And that's a pretty big call from a man who's handled some pretty smart stayers down the years. He also mentioned Melbourne Cups in dispatches. So... I think the good doctor might have another good one on his hands, even if he is a tad on the slow side. And he is adamant that he's going to train him for the Gold Cup next season. I think the Irish St. Ledger is on the agenda for this year, which I don't necessarily think he'll have the pace for. But the the fact that he's four... Am I I going to offend everybody if I say the Irish St. Ledger? Who cares? I mean, since (laughs) since it became an all-age race... Who does care? Whatever. Like, when Wicklow Brave can bolt up and I know it's it's it shouldn't be called the St Ledger. It, it just should be should be called the Autumn Cup or something. <laughs> <laughs> the Curra Autumn Cup. It just shouldn't God. be called the St Ledger. It's not a classic. It's not. You, can't, you the, haven't the, won a classic if you've won the Irish St Ledger. You haven't won a classic. And yet, oh, it's still the great described. days. The great sorry. days of Vinnie Rowe. Ah, come on. Ah, yeah, and I mean that—that's fantastic. But like people still call <laughs> it the same a deal classic. Like the great days of Further Flight, winning five Jockey Club Cups. It wasn't a classic, you know. It's, it's a uh, just great horse, but who cares? Yeah, I, I think technically, you know, to be it's incorrect to call it a classic, really. <laughs> oh, it's completely incorrect. Like Order of St George wins another classic. Fred and O'Brien. Uh, no, no, he didn't. Yes, he was a three-year-old when he won it, but it's not a classic if older horses can run on it. Uh, that's exactly. his. That's his end-of-season target, though. And as Nick said, this was first-time cheek pieces on, but Dermot is talking about the Gold Cup for him next year, which is bullish talk. I, I think he said afterwards that he he kind of ruled out the Irish Ledger this year. He's hoping it might be one next year. Mm. Um, but what? 
what I thought I was really happy with this because I've been a big fan of the horse. So I, was, I would have went with him in the Gold Cup if he turned up. Um, ultimately, didn't. But what what really pleased me with this performance is, and we said it in the preview last week, was that the first time cheek pieces would tell us quite a bit about this fella because he's looked so slow at times in his first four starts and has become detached and rattled off a very strong finish. But the cheek pieces I felt would tell us whether he is just slow as a funeral or he's just been taking the mick a little bit and a little bit immature, a little bit lacking concentration. And the fact that he could sit so much handier with the benefit of those cheek pieces would give you great encouragement that it, it was just laziness and or immaturity, lack of lack of concentration that was leading to him shaping that way. So this was very encouraging. I know he's only he's only one ahead and it's been hard work, but I think we learned a good bit about him. His step his form has taken a step forward again. Um, and, and yeah, he's just he's just a lovely, lovely horse going forward. Um, you know, even though he's looked sharper here, you you would wonder would he be sharp enough for a Melbourne Cup, um, which is a very, very different test to um, most staying races on the planet in terms of the, the demands of, of pace and what have you. Um, but he would very much be a, a Gold Cup candidate in my mind. And Dermot Weld has chosen to take the patient approach with him and. He might well reap the rewards next season. Um, beautiful pedigree, this fella. He just re- he's really, really likable. He, he's very closely related to, to um, Free Eagle. Um, really good Moiglair family. And yeah, he'd be one to he'd be one to get excited about now, but just a, a slower, a slower burn. But um, we'll once uh, once the fire is fully ignited, I think he'll be he'll be very good. And to be fair, the horse who beat him in the Saddlebag has come out and won since Twilight Payment for Jim Bulger. So we shall see uh, how things fall for uh, that horse for Dermot Weld. He looks like an exciting type, to be fair. And, and Kevin's been talking about him for a while. We'll switch to Haydock. Uh, winner alert for Kevin on the final Furlong podcast. Enbahar for John Gosden yet another winner on the board for John Gosden what a brilliant weekend he had Dane O'Neill this time around you must have been pleased with this in the Lancashire Oaks Kev yeah oh I'm mad about this filly I really really am I think she's absolutely lovely um, gorgeous to look at you know beautiful staying tight big long stride tries hard this this race went wrong really I kind of anticipated she would end up making the running she's missed the kick a little bit and has had to sit in bottled up behind Dramatic Queen which wouldn't really suit her um, she's got open open, open country in the straight and it's just she's needed the whole straight to kind of grind down Dramatic Queen she'll now go for the Lily Langtree stakes at Goodwood uh, at Glorious Goodwood um, and having looked at the entries it doesn't look an um, electric renewal by any means um, she's won around the track she clearly stays very well so I'd imagine she'll take beating there wouldn't surprise me if she gets to the group one level in the fullness of time just I'm mad about her um, if you happen to be at the races the next time she runs um, make an effort to go see her you won't be disappointed she's really really classy and Bihar for John Gosden and Dane O'Neill uh, one of the few horses to win for John Gosden over the weekend that was not partnered by Frankie DeTore he will be on board advertising the July Cup and we'll be talking about that race on Thursday we were going to preview Thursday's racing but we thought better of it in the end uh, so Declan Ricks will be joining us Thursday as Kevin and Declan and myself have a look at um, the big weekends racing, including the uh, Grand Prix de Paris at uh, Paris Longchamp, which uh, Japan's going to be running in. So we'll have a discussion about that as well. Uh, last week, we tragically lost Big Mac. Um, he was a divisive figure, which is fair enough to say. 
but he was also a character who changed the face of sports broadcasting and i found him to be very irritating at times but i also mostly found him to be hugely entertaining uh, and very very fun what we've learned about in the obituaries that have been written about him with the exception of the appalling obituary that was published by the guardian which i i like the guardian but I have no idea why they published that, that obituary from Julian Wilson. I don't see what the point was. And I think it says, as Lydia Hislop said, it says more about Julian Wilson than it does it ever about Big Mac. Uh, I didn't I, think it was that bad, to be Jesus, honest. I thought, it was ter- I thought it was terrible. <laughs> I really did. I thought it was absolutely appalling. Um, and I, I, I don't see what the public service of it was either. So I have no idea why they, why they printed it. But anyway, um, like I said, I, I do like The Guardian. Uh, but I, I was confused by that, very much so. Um, Lee wrote a fantastic piece in the Racing Post. Alistair Down is the greatest wordsmith we have in the game, and he wrote a beautiful piece. You both worked with him. Nick, obviously you would have worked with him for a lot longer, and you started at Channel 4 when when he was there. What we've learned in what's been written about him and what's been said is that the persona that we saw on camera and heard on mic was very, very different to the one off-screen. I mean, it was, it was, he, he enjoyed, there's no doubt he enjoyed mischief. He enjoyed pouring a bit of oil into the water. He enjoyed stirring the pot, but he fundamentally was a, a, a decent human being. And I think that's what's come out in all the, in all the tributes and, and, and obituaries. And I think the other quite common motif in all of those is that if somebody was just starting out or they were a bit sort of insecure about their place in the world or their place in a broadcasting, which let's face it, everybody is, he was quite keen to sort of push their cause, possibly because he didn't really have any any competition himself because he was he was really a, a one off and uh, he, he was very he was very keen to support the rest of the team and if somebody had done something that he thought was good, he would tell them and he meant it. Um, and I very rarely heard him uh, bitch about anybody's performance. Uh, which is again uncommon to 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 most <laughs> to most broadcasters. <laughs> so that was enormously to his credit. And he was very he, he his advice could be pretty um, pretty trenchant and pretty to the point, but it was almost always good. And I look back in retrospect at some of the things he told me and some of the bits of advice he gave me, and particularly about one or two people he might have thought were unsavoury or had dodgy motives. And he was almost always right in retrospect if i even if i didn't think he was right at the time he was he was a pretty canny judge of uh, of other people and he was um just an extremely um extremely smart operator in, in in a lot of respects and the interesting thing about him as a broadcaster was that he was a generous broadcaster he didn't seek to dominate the program yes he had a big ego and he loved being noticed and he loved people coming up and asking him for pictures and so on and so forth and he enjoyed that side of it he enjoyed his showmanship there's no doubt about that but he didn't he didn't seek to uh dominate at the expense of the broadcast as a whole and actually if you if you think back to a lot of those morning old morning lines so i just worked with him a lot and he he never he would he would find the right moment to interject and he'd always interject with something that was absolutely right on the money at the right time to the right person. So, you know, he'd do it, he could do it in an infuriating or provocative or deliberately piss takey way. Um, you know, seeking to stir the pot, but he, he would always, he would always do it, um, 
just in a, in sort of timely fashion, really. And if you added up the amount of airtime he had, it would would have been far far less than most other people on the on the show, um, which is quite interesting actually, because his impact that meant his impact value was much much greater, which a lot of the, his um, you know there's been loads of people who've tried the same tried the same gig or similar gig since, but it just doesn't really work the same because he, he understood the when not to talk as much as when to talk. And that is a unique gift to a certain extent. He he was a natural broadcaster, but he also was a larger-than-life character. And so as a broadcaster, when you went in to, to host the, the Morning Line, and you can almost look back at those shows with rose-tinted glasses, but I love those shows. And I, it was a different time. You know, Now everything's on demand, and we have access to so many different racing previews in terms of print you can listen to to this podcast the game has changed but yeah I, I, and there were plenty of there were plenty of bang average ones as well as, <laughs> as well as the good ones but but I, the I, alchemy of it was such that that you know you might get you might get a, a, one memorable moment per show and that's kind of all you need really yeah um rather than no memorable moments per 30 shows but i do remember getting up to watch those shows because that was you know technology was different we didn't have twitter we didn't have the amount of of previews and analysis that we have now it was an essential show to watch but in order to deal with him one-on-one because of the fact that he had this persona and you would have grown up watching him on tv and now you Mm. were in the same studio as him working was there ever a point where where you first met him where you were in, where you were intimidated by him? What were what were your first no, impressions? No, not really. No, fairly quickly, not because and I'd worked with him a little bit on the original incarnation of Out of the Races as well way back when, and everyone will say the same thing. And I I noticed quite a few people saying it this week. You know, Alice and Gina and various others that if you were if you were hosting the show, he'd never seek to undermine you in that sense, and he wasn't someone who'd try and tuck you around the corner. And there are one or two people who who would, but he hmm. he definitely he definitely wouldn't. Um, so that that wasn't his that wasn't his game at all. I mean, you say he was a natural broadcaster. He himself may may have recoiled from from that description. I think that certainly his um, when he was when he was at his most effective, and certainly when he was at his most effective from a from a journalistic standpoint rather than simply as a, as a reporter, it was it was always based on on having done a lot of research. And similarly, uh, he he took great pride in. The, the the correctness of the statistics that he would or the trends that he would he would read out um when he was when he was doing betting shows and so forth i did like lydia hislop's comments on friday with steve mellish where she she said the pantomime sexism to one side that he was incredibly welcoming to her in the in the in the writers room in the in the press room yeah and i i think he liked i think he, he and he i liked the idea of people who were um, breaking the established order of things, whether they be young, whether they be female, whether they be from a different um, social background that, that, than was the norm. So, you know, if if somebody was um, w- was coming into the game from the outside or or was a little bit different, then I think he would he would be keen to push their cause because um, you know I, I think. He was a great contradiction because he sort of he he loved his place in the establishment yet railed against it at the same time, yeah. but managed to man, managed to pull that off quite effectively for quite some time. Yeah, I, I thought the the point that um, essentially was being made was that a lot of his peers would not have been as welcoming 
to Lydia at that time? You know, who do you think you are, a woman coming in? And it's not that long ago. I mean, obviously, Lydia's a, a, a young woman. But the fact that he was so embracing and welcoming and kind and generous isn't necessarily something that we knew at the time. It's only now that we get to, to hear about that. The, the fans get to hear about that. And in a way, I think that's sad. We, we knew it, but not everybody did. Um, you also make a very good point about welcoming outsiders because I didn't grow up in racing. Kevin didn't grow up in racing. And to me, the legacy that that, um, Big Mac leaves behind is that he broke down any semblance of elitism of racing. When you saw this man in the betting ring, he made it entertaining, he made it fun, but he also encouraged you to go. It's a push to suggest that he made it accessible, given given that he was given what he was wearing and how he was speaking. And you know, if you were if you were outside the game, clearly, you know, you'd have thought, "Who is this lunatic?" But he was a recognisable figure, and he was certainly one of the most recognisable faces of racing for a long, long time. If you were in his company, and then you you knew that there was so much more to him than perhaps people perceive from the outside. Uh, you got to go. Um, I have because you have adult responsibilities that uh, Kevin and I thankfully do not have but uh, that sounds that sounds like I'm off to curate some sort of collection of pornography adult <laughs> responsibilities well so. I, I meant maybe you are maybe that's exact maybe you're off to Pornhub I have no idea what it is you want to do on your Monday nights but I suspect uh, you are off to take care of your euphemism that isn't it <laughs> take care of your, oh, of your lovely children oh, should, right I'm going to go and take care of my adult responsibilities Jeff thanks so much Nick you're an Cheers, absolute Nick legend and we will chat to you soon thanks so much for your time uh, Nick Look who you will be seeing on Sky Sports Racing very very soon as part of the American coverage on NBC and of course also uh, on his excellent show Look on Sunday Kev your memories of, of Big Mac as a fan but also as, as a broadcaster you had that infamous broadcast and I think you whipped him to demonstrate the uh, the racing whip which was just gold TV yeah, actually, look, and I, I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I kind of feel uncomfortable uh, talking about someone that's died that really I only met a, a relatively small number of times and worked with a small number of times. But um, sure, look, like anyone of, of you know, of this sort of age, you know, grew up, you know, he was an intricate part of, uh, integral part of racing coverage the whole way up. Um, such a unique character. Everyone knew who he was. Um, his opinions drove me absolutely bananas at times. His opinions on the whip, um, I couldn't disagree with more. But it, it really was a great honour and privilege to be able to debate that issue with him on ATR at that time on the Sunday Forum. It was something that I was really, really genuinely excited about. And uh, considering Big Mac, Big Mac now wouldn't have known me from Adam at the time, I'm sure. Um, despite the fact that we polar opposite views, he was very um, respectful and didn't, like Nick says, didn't seek to dominate or anything like that. And uh, that that was a real pleasure to to be able to do that um, with him. And um, as you look, like Nick summed it up better than I could. Look, clearly an odd man, a strange man, um, but ultimately uh, a decent man for all that he tried to convince us, uh, convince his audience at the times that he was far from it. Um, and the thing, I suppose the biggest impression he made on me was just a, 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 as a professional, you know, for the days that I worked with him, he was there. And I, I think I'm going to turn up early and have my prep done. He was always there before me and always, had, you know, pages upon pages of handwritten notes you know and this was when he was very much in his mid 70s with a with a long long career underneath him and his best days behind him but yet he still had the 
the, the the pride in his work and professionalism to be to be doing the right thing at that age. You know that that left a real impression on me, and what was an example that, that everyone would do well to follow. I think whatever they're doing in life. Um, so yeah, look, you know, he he was an old man in the end. He was battling sickness. It was going to happen. Um, but like you say, sometimes I think it's it's something that, that we come across a lot these days. You know, with social media, where everyone has a platform that. Um, <clears throat> It's almost a pity that, um, that that maybe we don't tell people uh, how we feel about them enough when they're alive. And it seems to be only when they die that um, we get all these, these. I'm sure plenty of people might have had the wrong impression of Big Mac um, until he died. And, and so many people came out and related experiences uh, and insights into what he was like um, when he had the Big Mac persona turned off. So mm. um, there's, there's maybe a little lesson, a life lesson in that, that especially when people get a little bit older, that it might be a, a kind thing to do to, to go out of your way to, to tell them what they mean to you and, and everything else. Um, because uh, once once they're once the lights turned off, it's too late. Um, and yeah, look, he, he'll be greatly missed. There, there's there is there will never be another Big Mac. Um, we will, I'm sure, we'll have some big personalities um, with with strong opinions, but there will never be another Big Mac. And for all that he was, he was far from perfect. No more than any of us are. Um, he was a really important part of uh, the the whole racing scene. Uh, whether you agree with him, whether you liked him or not. Um, he was different and uh, a problem that we have probably in the racing media. And uh, I am part of the problem in that so many of us are so similar and you need different people coming at things from different angles, uh, expressing it in, in different ways, in interesting ways, in, in divisive ways. Uh, and Mac w- was the king of that. And uh, that's hard to replace. So he'll be, he'll be greatly missed. Um, uh, and yeah, like I say, I've gone on a bit now, but I, I, I'm reluctant to go on too much about someone who I only uh, knew in a very minor way. But um, like many of the listeners, I probably knew him best as a, as a spectator. And um, yeah, I'd be greatly appreciative of the contribution he made to, to the sport he loved. I think you've spoken eloquently about him there. And I would challenge you on something that you're, you're saying that you're part of the problem. You are not part of the problem, Kevin Blake. You are somebody who has, on numerous occasions, countless times, in fact, particularly on this very show, been prepared to voice your opinion on subjects that other people would not be prepared to talk about. And you have been prepared... Yeah, but that's important to say, though. And in some ways, Big Mac led the way. Like, he was an award-winning journalist. That is something that's important to remember. Um... But I, I think you've you've spoken eloquently about him and you've pretty much summed the, the whole thing up. I, I would just say that on Derby Day last year, uh, I, I met Big Mac and I actually got a terrible fright because he was sick for a long time and I hadn't seen him. And I, I didn't realize that he was that bad. And, and, and he looked awful. And I remember speaking to Bruce Millington and, and his wife afterwards and they were saying what a, what a fright they'd gotten seeing him. And it was... That was sad, but to read Alistair Downs' piece saying never once did he complain and never once did he say, why me? That, that is a measure of the man as well. That says an awful lot about who Big Mac was. And I began this by saying that he was a divisive character and he wasn't everybody's cup of tea. And there were times where he infuriated me. But I did love him. I, I did genuinely enjoy his antics. And particularly Davy Russell getting really riled up having won the RSA chase 
and demanding an apology from Big Mac for having a go at the ride on Dunguib for the, the young fella the day before and the Supreme Novice is hurt. He got it beat! He got it beat! The punters should be wrong! He got it beat! But that was him. He would go and do that kind of stuff. And, and he also had a section in the morning line where he would talk about stories that many in the racing media may not want to discuss and he would bring them uh, to the front and centre and he would challenge odds compilers. He would challenge betting companies about are you top price are you going to lay a bet he would ask those questions and uh i i thought he was great i really did and and he was entertaining he made the game fun and the favorite story about him uh in lee's piece on the racing post i thought was was terrific where he didn't really get on with the mother-in-law until a little bit later in life and one day he walked into the apartment and she was there and she said to him you didn't know i was here did you and immediately he said, Oh, yes, I did. There's green slime all the way up the stairs. <laughs> if you said that to Dee's mother, you would be excommunicated and donezo. That would be the end of it. But he just had this way about him. He was a, he was a legend and, and he will be missed. The current man in the betting ring had a, a right old pop off of Coral. Uh, on Saturday, and there's an interesting story today. Morgan Stanley has cut its global equities exposure uh, to its lowest level in five years. There's restructuring going on in the banking industry as well, but GVC Holdings, who own Carl, and Matt mentioned them on Saturday, they have dropped 3%, and some people on social media are attributing this to Matt Chapman's comments uh, about them. You cannot blame the man for calling out a bookmaker for what they did on, on Saturday. Uh, it's an opinion. I think he was right to go and do it. I don't always agree with Matt, but I, I thought he was 100% right in that occasion. And uh, to suggest that he's some way to blame for the fact that the share price has dropped 3% of the parent company is absolutely farcical. But there you go. That'll do. We are done. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for all the kind words on social media. I say that a lot, but... I genuinely, genuinely mean it. Um, Kev, what current box set are yourself and producer D watching? Um, nothing, nothing. No, um, D might be watching something now when I'm working in the evenings, but I don't have time to scratch my nose at the minute, so I'm, not, I'm very, watching very little telly. Well, I will tell you about The Sinner. If you've not seen that on Netflix yet, season one, I'm just about to start season two. It's quality. It's Bill Pullman, Jessica Beale. It's dark... It's a drama, and it's very, very good. I highly recommend it. And of course, Spider-Man Far From Home is in cinemas now, and you can go to the big screen and watch that. We are back on Thursday as we look ahead to all the big racing at Newmarket, and indeed, Paris Longchamp, where Japan will be taking part in the Grand Prix de Paris. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from Amos Kennedy, closing out. Thanks again to Nick Luck. We will talk to you on Thursday. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.